Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, choir. I asked my buddy there, what did you give your mother for Mother's Day? And he said, food. <laughs> so I'm going to go to their house. We want to, um, well, let me just do this. If this were 50 years ago, a little bit of trip down memory lane, if this were 50 years ago, I would have been at uh, my home where I grew up, and I would awaken this Sunday morning to the sound of a piano in our living room with my mother waking up the family playing the old hymns to get us up and going to church. And then I would have gotten out of bed and uh, walked into the kitchen and got a flour tortilla. I grew up in South Texas. We had flour tortillas every day. And then we would have uh, gotten dressed and gone to the house of the Lord. And uh, my mother would be carrying this Bible. It was given to her on December the 25th, 1959, presented to Linda by mother and daddy, my grandparents, as a Christmas gift in 1959. She was 19 years old, and she would have carried this Bible to church. It's over 60 years old. It's an old Bible. I don't know if they make Bibles like this anymore, uh, and I, um, but it has colored pictures in it. You remember those Bibles had the colored pictures in it? And it's got all kinds of pictures. And we would have gone to Sunday school and church, and we would have sat down in church, and for some reason my parents never let my brother and I sit next to each other in church. <laughs> I have a brother who's four years older or younger, and a sister who's three years older, and they never let the boys sit close to sit next to each other in church. But 
we would be sitting in church on a Sunday quite like this, perhaps even a Mother's Day, and the pastor would stand up and read the text, and uh, then my brother or my sister would take the Bible from her lap and start in Genesis and just gaze at the pictures like an art critic as I would sit intently listening to the sermon. And we would worship the Lord in our church with this Bible in my mother's lap. And so it's a neat Bible because it uh, contains a lot of family records in it. I find some uh, uh, obituaries of great-grandmothers and, and grandmother and and I was showing, telling Cole and Jay this morning in our prayer time that uh, she wrote this in her Bible. She has a whole lot of writing in it. It's kind of faded. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe she wrote this when she was uh, suffering with cancer. Cancer took my mother on uh, Thanksgiving Day, 1996. And uh, she wrote this, Trust him. When dark doubts assail thee, trust him when thy strength is small. Trust him when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. And uh, that kind of takes a snapshot of my mother's heart, among other things that she wrote. So moms, my advice to you on Mother's Day is get you a Bible. Read it every day, let your kids see it, carry it with you to church, and write your thoughts in it, write special dates in it, and 50 years from now, they'll see a snapshot of your spiritual walk with the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. But uh, also in this Bible are the names and, and, like I say, obituaries and notes and things, and... Um, it reminds me of Romans 16, where I want to go today. Romans chapter 16. It's one of my favorite uh, chapters in all of the Bible uh, because when I do pull this old Bible off the shelf and uh, try to keep it in order from falling apart, I, I always think of this great chapter in the Word of God, Romans chapter 16. This is a portrait of the local church. It's basically just a list of names, names of people who are in heaven. They're in the church in heaven. And it is a reminder of how precious God's people are in the local church. There are over 35 people listed in this chapter, named and unnamed. And they're all God's people in that church there in Rome, meeting in someone's home. The great preacher from Philadelphia, Barnhouse, Dr. Barnhouse, and his set on Romans, his great exposition on the book of Romans, which Cole has a set, and he's going to read one day. I wish I'd read it when I was in my 20s. He says, this chapter, in it we see the warm life of the early church. So today I preach on three ladies in Romans 16 
to warm the heart of the church. And the church is warmed by the people of God, whom God has redeemed. And many of those people who warm the heart of the church are ladies, women. And my prayer today is that the Word of God will warm the hearts of all of us today, but especially the ladies among us on this Mother's Day. Among the 35 people plus mentioned in this text of Scripture, Romans 16, seven of them are women. And I'm only going to highlight three today. Aren't you blessed by that? For several reasons, because that's all the insight I have today from the Lord, and plus you've got to beat the Methodist to the cafe. So, uh, anyway. But uh, I want to highlight three. And from these three ladies, we find three essential qualities of a church. These qualities must be in a local church. They can come from our men, but I will tell you they must come from our women. They must come from all of us. But through the years and in this text, I want to highlight three women. We're going to see, first of all, a woman who gives us an example. Then second of all, we're going to see a lady in this church who gives us encouragement. And then in closing, we'll talk about a lady who has an endearment in our hearts. And so, first of all, let's look at verses 1 and 2 of this great chapter, and we're going to talk about a woman by the name of Phoebe. That was her name, Phoebe. And from Phoebe we see a great example of womanhood in the church. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, Paul writes, which is a servant of the church which is in Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that she assist her in whatsoever business she has need of you. For she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Paul is in the city of Corinth. It's at the end of his third missionary journey. That means that his... Uh, journey to Jerusalem is just on the horizon. It won't be long. And he's at the end of this third missionary journey, and he's in Corinth, the region of Sincrea, and he finds out that there was a very active member of that church, in that, of a church in that area, perhaps Corinth itself, who is moving to Rome. We don't know anything about her family. We just know her name is Phoebe. Perhaps she was a single woman. And in the way this chapter is written, I would just venture to say in all probability she was a single lady. Well, Paul had long desired to travel to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome and encourage that church. And he needed to get a letter to them. And he had an opportunity to write a letter, which is our book of Romans, and give it to Phoebe. And here you go, Phoebe. I want you to carry this all-important letter. It's the Word of God. I am an apostle, and this is the inspired Word of God. And they're going to be reading about it in Ocean Springs, Mississippi one day. And you need to carry 
this letter for me to Rome. And it is the book of Romans. It is arguably the most theological of all of Paul's letters. Barnhouse said when he, in his introduction to Romans, when he was talking about Phoebe, he said it's as if she had a suitcase. And in the suitcase was the Reformation. This is the book that launched the Reformation. In her suitcase was the Roman road, which has led many, many people to Christ. Perhaps when you were saved, it's because somebody sat down with the book of Romans and started at Romans 3.23 for all of sin. So in Phoebe's suitcase was the book of Romans, the Roman road. And it was a remarkable book and is a remarkable book. It shows us the great doctrines of our faith. And you want to see what the doctrines of Christ are and the doctrines of the church ought to be, you study the book of Romans. And this all important as much as every other book, but this important book was given to Phoebe to carry. Unheard of in that day and culture. But he trusted this woman, Phoebe, with this word of the Lord. And she was faithful to carry it and brought it to Rome, and the pastors opened it up, and they read all the way through it, and they got to Romans 16, and they mentioned the female mail carrier, Phoebe. And Paul tells us some wonderful things about her, and I want to share with you three things that probably prompted Paul to trust her with carrying the Word of God. And the question I have for you, dear ladies, does God trust you to carry His Word? Here's three ways. Number one, I want you to notice her conversion to Christ. Her name is Phoebe. That name means radiant. Now to us, down here in South Mississippi, we'd hear that word Phoebe, understand that it means radiant, and we would say, what a beautiful name. But if you were in ancient Rome, and if you were an ancient Jew, or a Greek back then in the days that the New Testament was being written, you would recognize that this name Phoebe was closely associated to the Greek god Artemis, in particular the worship of the moon. And you would know that Phoebe was one who grew up in a home that worshipped the moon, that was tied to the pagan, pagan idolatry of Artemis, the alternative name Diana, the goddess Diana. And you would know it was a terrible thing to be a female in that religion. It could be that you would be utilized by the priest in the most grotesque, and terrible ways to worship the god Artemis. But she was named after that aspect of this pagan religion. But upon a day somewhere down the line, and we don't, won't know when until we get to heaven, she heard the gospel of Christ, and she was born again, and she was saved. And now instead of carrying clothing, clothing to the temple of Artemis, which is part of their worship. She's carrying the Word of God in her heart and in her suitcase. And we're reading a 
without that today. Isn't that the most amazing thing, what God can do? And God and his providence didn't change your name. You know, he changes names all the time in the Old Testament. He didn't change her name. But he changed her nature. And now she's counted as a sister in the Lord. Dear lady, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you converted to Christ? Another thing about her is notice her churchmanship. The Bible says in our text she was a servant in the church and a helper. Your Bible might say a succorer, one who succored. That means to help. It is a wonderful word in the Greek language with a wide range of meaning. It can mean several positive things. First of all, it can mean somebody who was a protector, a guardian of the church. And it also carries the idea of one who stands by and is ready to minister. And Paul says she was one who stood by and who helped in the church and my ministry also. Her churchmanship, she was just faithful to the local church, the ministry, what it did for the cause of Christ. A third thing about her is her commendation. In verse 2, Paul says, now she's coming to you. She's leaving Corinth, and she's moving to Rome, and she's going to join your church there in Rome. She's going to be a member there. And we're going to miss her over here in Corinth. We're going to miss her. You know, people come and go. In our area, we have military folks that come and they unite with our church. And then in two years' time, sometimes longer, gone. And we have many. Some of them watch us every Sunday on YouTube. So, hello, folks. We miss you. And we miss them. One of the heartaches of being a local church pastor especially being here as long as I've been here, is when somebody comes and says, Dr. Mike, we hate to tell you this, but we're, be, we're moving. We're moving. And I say, well, where are you going? Well, we're going to Memphis, Tennessee. Well, that's close enough to drive on Sunday. <laughs> oh, we're moving to North Carolina. We're going here. We're being shipped out. And it's the hardest thing. And I always ask the question of the Lord when that happens. Lord, why can't I pick the ones that move? <laughs> That's a joke, amen. Don't get bent out of shape on Mother's Day. You won't, be able to eat, you won't be able to eat the Mother's Day ham or whatever you got going on. But she's coming to join your church in Rome. And I love what Paul basically says. He says, get ready. Because she's a servant of the Lord, and she's strong in the Lord. And you need to recognize she's going to get busy for the Lord Jesus Christ. She's going to use her spiritual gift in the church, and she's going to be a blessing to you. So get ready, and he commends them. What an example is this? And you know what's amazing? Now, there's three ways to join a Baptist church. First of all, you come by profession of faith. In other words, you pray to receive Christ. You give your life to Christ. This is how she probably joined the church at Corinth. She came to, she heard the gospel, and she came and told the pastor, I've been saved. 
I've given my life to Christ. And your profession of faith is when you get into the baptistry and you're baptized, proclaiming you believe the gospel and you're professing Christ before men in the act of water baptism. You, you get baptized because you have been saved and you want to profess it before men and you become a member of the church and you never need to be baptized again. And when you do that, the church gives you what they call a letter. And it is, uh, well, these days, a lot of it's all computerized and some of it's on paper. I looked at some letters this week that were from the 1960s. It's just a card, different form. It doesn't matter how you do the form. And it says, Cole Andrews is a member of First Baptist Church Ocean Spring. This is how we got him. And then he moves off, and he goes to another church, and he says, another Baptist church, and he says, I want to move my letter. And when he says, move my letter, what he means is, is the church I'm coming from still holds me in good order. Now, if we kick you out, we're not going to grant your letter. One time years ago, I had a man call me on the phone in my last church, and he said, uh, Pastor, he said, I grew up in your church. I said, well, wonderful. What can I do for you? And he said, I want to give your church 40 acres of land. And he said, I know you'll probably meet with people and, and, and pray about it. I said, no, I don't. We'll take 40 acres of land. You want to give it, we'll take it. And he said, well, you don't even know where it is. I said, it don't matter. We're going to sell it and, and, and all that stuff, and there's a bar in it. We'll, we'll be blessed. Close it down. We'll do it right. And he said, the reason is, he said, I want to give 40 acres of land. Now, you got to understand, this was an older gentleman. And he said, in the 1940s or 50s, whatever it was, he said, I was going to the honky-tonks over in Ravel, Louisiana. And he said, I was going to the honky-tonks, and he said, the church kicked me out. And I got up the next Saturday to go to the honky-tonks, and the Lord said, you're so sorry that the church kicked you out. Don't you think you ought to change your ways? And he said, I repented. And he said, I, I moved away and went to another church and, and got right with the Lord. And he said, your church put me on the right track, and so I want to give you all 40 acres. And I said, well, we want to take it. And so you move your letter, and if you're in good standing, we say we rejoice that coal has come your way and he'll be a blessing to you and we grant the letter. That's what a letter means. You know, a lot of people don't know what that means anymore. And then we'll have some people who say, well, preacher, the church I'm in, I don't remember exactly where it was, where my letter would be. Or church burned and our letter was lost. Or for some reason, I just don't have a letter. But I've been saved, and I've been biblically baptized by immersion, believing that it is because of my salvation. And I profess Christ and was baptized in the name of the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. By immersion, believing that what Baptists believe. And we receive you by statement, and you then have a letter from here on out. Well, you know what's the most amazing thing? When my family and I moved here in 2001, we had to get a letter. 
and y'all got a little old bitty card with our names on it, and it said good standing, check the box, good standing, and, and all of that stuff. It's, and, I mean, they airmailed it to you. They were glad to get rid of us. But you got my letter. And that, that wasn't impressive at all. Phoebe's letter was the whole book of Romans. Amen. Paul said, here's your letter. It's the whole book of Romans, Cole. I love you, but you're not getting the book of Romans. But it's the whole book of Romans. And it was her commendation to the church at Rome. And Paul said, I trust you with this letter. So in Phoebe, we have a great example of a lady who was lost without Christ, and she came to the Lord and was saved. What an example, ladies. If you don't know Jesus, you have Phoebe as an example. He can change your life, and, and no telling what he'll do for you and how he'll use you for his glory. And her churchmanship, she was a great servant and just ready to serve. And then her commendation. The people of God will say, we hate to, to see them go, but we commend them to your church. We commend them. And maybe you have a church that would commend you to us. Maybe God's leading you to unite with our church. And you have a church home that will commend you to us. So in Phoebe, we have an example. And then the next lady I want to talk about is down in verse 7. And her name is Junia. Junia is how I pronounce it. And she is an encouragement. Verse 7 speaks of a husband and wife, Andronicus and Junia. Junia is a feminine name. And no doubt they were a married couple. Phoebe, a single lady. And Junia, a married woman. And it says, salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of Note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Paul tells us about this married couple in the church. And he tells us four things about this married couple. Now, I want to highlight those. First of all, they were kinsmen of Paul. Now, this word kinsmen is used in two different ways in the book of Romans chapter 16. It's used, first of all, in verse 11, as a fellow Jewish person, a Jew. Paul was Jewish, and he talks about someone being a Jew in the flesh, their kin. But here in this verse, it's a closer kin than that. This word is used as a relative of Paul. This is Paul's kinfolk. Isn't that the most amazing thing? Did you ever think you'd hear about Paul's kinfolk? Well, this was Paul's relative, a kinsman. The second thing is they were fellow prisoners. They were not only kinfolk, but they had gone to jail with Paul. You know, Paul was always in jail. When he would travel to a new city, he didn't get on Hotels.com. He got on Jails.org or jails.gov. Tyler, he wanted to find jails. Oh, Tyler's our city prosecutor. Can you imagine him throwing the Apostle Paul in the city jail? But Paul, that's what he did. He checked out the jails. Well, in that persecution, he preached the gospel, and, and this couple with Junia included, which was rare for a woman to be arrested like that, but that's what happened, and she, they were faithful to the gospel. 
And then another thing, they were among note among the apostles. You see that in the text. That means they were lay people who were very helpful to the apostolic ministry, to the ministry of the apostles back when the New Testament was being written and history was being played out. Well respected among the apostles. But what I also want to highlight is, is the Bible says in this text, verse 7, they were in Christ before me. You pick up on that. Paul had relatives who knew Jesus before he did. He had relatives who were Christians while he was persecuting Christians. Can you imagine going to church and saying, my cousin is Saul of Tarsus. The same Saul that can bust in here any minute, arrest us, and take us to jail, and have us executed for our faith. Can you imagine that? And they were believers before their kinfolk, Paul was a believer. What an encouragement that is. Can you imagine when they came to Christ and they started looking down the list of their family members, Jewish Pharisees and zealots who hated the church, who hated Christ, and can you imagine how they must have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and might have even hid from Paul, the persecutor. And then they hear about Paul on the road to Damascus and their prayers are answered and they have a hallelujah day in church. Now, if you walked in through the foyer in the front Washington side. You saw the display of who's your mission. Some of those missions, and if you know what we're talking about, it's our, our evangelism emphasis. Some of your missions are your family members. Some are parents. Some are children. I think we have some grandparents, and they're lost without Christ. What an encouragement Junia is for us to keep praying for them. Keep praying for your lost relatives. If you want to see them in heaven one day, you pray and ask God for it. To work on them and give them a Damascus Road experience. And they can come to Christ. Keep praying and keep at it and keep witnessing. What a wonderful thing. This Junia was a lady-owned mission. And her mission, no doubt, was her kinfolk who was wreaking havoc in the same church he would edify and build up after he was saved. Keep going regardless of how bitter they get, and God will reward your prayers. I pray he will. Isn't that a wonderful encouragement? You know, um, it's an amazing thing to me. But uh, in this Bible, my, my, my grandparents are mentioned. And as I read these 
obituary cards and all uh, that are in my mama's Bible, I thought about how they always prayed for us, prayed for us grandkids, that we would come to the Lord and be used of the Lord. And I know my parents prayed for me and my kids. I hope and pray we don't lose the prayerful generation that we keep it up. Some years ago, I was preaching a special service over in Poplarville, I believe it was, out in the country. And I preached, and a young man came down and was saved. And right behind him was a distinguished lady of age. And when the Met pastor dealt with her, she she motioned for me to come down to the floor, and I did. And she gave me a big old kiss on my cheek. Now, ladies, if you want to kiss me, you got to be 75 years or older. And it's got to be on the cheek. And Tracy's got to be nearby. And uh, she gave me a big old kiss on the cheek. And she said, that was my grandson who was saved. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. And she said, my husband who died a few months ago, pray, we prayed and prayed and prayed for our grandsons to be saved. She says, they're rough boys, but he was saved tonight. And she said, we have one more who needs to be saved, one more. And he's going to be home on furlough in a couple of months. And she said, I'm gonna, we're praying for him, and I'm going to do everything I can to share Christ with him. And I said, well, I hope he's saved. I hope he'll come to the Lord. And so a few months later, I ran into that pastor, and I said, you know that lady? He said, yeah. He said, her grandson came home on furlough, and uh, the next Sunday she was sitting next to him and her other grandson, and he came forward and was saved. And so I think of Junia. She just prayed and prayed. You know, somebody prayed for you. Probably some grandma, some mama, some, some great-grandma, somewhere down the line, somebody prayed for you to come to Christ, was faithful in your family. And you be that faithful one in your family to pray for others in your family who need the Lord. So what an encouragement that is. Paul's kinfolk. Did you ever think you'd hear about Paul's kinfolk? We thought he was all alone out there. And then the last thing is, verse 13, an endearment. We don't know this lady's name, but her son's name is Rufus. She's perhaps a widow because we don't know her name, and she's linked with her son. The Bible says in verse 13, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Now, some say that Rufus was the son of Simon the Cyrenian, the man in whom the Romans forced to carry Christ's cross, Christ's cross upon Mount Calvary. You remember that in the Gospels? And the Bible speaks of Simon the Cyrenian's son, the father of Alexandria and Rufus. Mark is the one who tells us their names. Mark is closely associated with the Romans because he wrote his Gospel to a Roman audience. So it's very possible, if not probable, that this Rufus was the one whose father was forced to carry the cross uh, on the day Jesus was crucified for the Lord. And it's very probable. But this morning we emphasize the words about Rufus. Regardless if that was him or not, the Bible 
talks about his mother. And Paul says, greet Rufus, his mother and mine. His mother and mine. Well, at some point, Paul encountered this mother and son, perhaps stayed in their home. Many people associate them with the city of Antioch, which is probable as well. And uh, one thing is, is sure, this woman was a blessing to the Apostle Paul. He counted her as a mother to him. He said, Rufus and his mother and my mother as well. This woman has been like a mother to me. Now, you know, this woman, we don't know her name. We have no idea her condition. Was she a widow? What, what happened? Did, you know, did her husband leave her? What was the situation she lived in? We don't know. But we know she had a son named Rufus, and we know she loved Paul as if he were her own son. She is one who fulfills one of the great promises of our Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples were one day having conversation, and Peter said, We've left everything. What do we get? And Jesus said this. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that there is no man that has left house or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the sake of the gospel, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. In other words, Jesus told his disciples, if you leave your mother and father, for the sake of the gospel, as I call you and lead you, I'll give you a multitude of mothers. I'll give you a multitude of fathers. I'll give you a bigger family than you ever could imagine. And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about Rufus's mama. And he's talking about many of you in the local church who have cared for the servants of the Lord as a mother. Through the years, I've had many of them. They have been such a blessing to Tracy and myself and our children through the years. When I started pastoring churches, I was a single man. Uh, sweet Miss Tracy, she, she knew exactly what she was getting into because I was already a pastor. God helped these pastor's wives who, who they get married and they think they're marrying an astronaut and he becomes a pastor. But anyway... Um, she knew exactly what she was getting to. And I won't tell you, she's been a wonderful pastor's wife. Very supportive of my ministry. I'm thankful. I'm so very thankful. And uh, she's been a blessing. And, but when I went to my first uh, church, I, I, as a freshman, I joined a church in college. I went up there to college. First thing I did, joined a church. And uh, I was there as a freshman. And the pastor, I asked the pastor to mentor me, and, and uh, he, he did. And uh, some of those ladies in the church just took me in. That's where I was introduced to shelling purple hole peas. All we had in South Texas was pinto beans. 
But she, they, I, and cornbread. Oh, glory to God. Ladies, you want to go to heaven? Bring me some purple whole peas and cornbread. And along with the Lord. But anyway, and they were great. And then I went to my very first pastorate as a sophomore. I was single. And there was a lady in that church who had three sons. And they were wonderful Christian people. And her name was Leota Newsom. And every Sunday, she'd take care of me and give me a place to take a nap. And I still have wonderful memories of her and still have friendship with her, with her one son who's living today. And it was such a wonderful experience. And I think about Rufus's mother. There was another lady in that church, and her husband was the minister of music, and he owned a store across the street from the church. And uh, toward the uh, end of my college, I lived out there, and we were about to get married, and I'd go, have to go to class, you know, sometimes. And, and he had a, a deli, at, and I'd get a, a sandwich every day. And Miss Vermeil make sure I had a sandwich and chocolate milk. And on Sunday, uh, Saturday night, she'd shine my shoes. And I remember her, and we're talking about her today. And through the years the ladies in the church who have mothered me. It's one of the great blessings of being in the ministry. Amen. And you know what? I was thinking about all of them, some of you in this room, and all of them a little bit, if you don't mind me saying. And I want to tell you what, every one of them were women of prayer. Every one of them loved Bible preaching. And every one of them were good cooks. Amen. And so... There you have it. God has gave him. See, I never lived close to, to my mother. I, uh, I, when I moved away to go to college, it was over 500 miles away, and I never was uh, close, uh, any closer than that. Miss Tracy, am I right? A thousand mothers in the churches. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? Some of them were like a mother for the wooden spoon. But anyway, um, that's all right too. Paul must have had a thousand moms in his travels that cared for him, and I know I've had many. So, three ladies. Phoebe. What do we need to do about Phoebe? Well, first of all, dear lady, do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you were to die today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Phoebe came to Christ. Do you need to join the church, the body of believers here? Do you need to serve the Lord and be stand by ready to serve the Lord like Phoebe? Junia, do you need to be encouraged today to keep on praying for your lost loved ones, your husband, your children, and just keep on praying for them and God to God to intervene in their lives and save them? Are they your mission? If you have lost grandchildren, lost children, lost husbands, they need to be your mission. It's not too late to sign up for a mission. We, we got the form ready to go and start praying for them to be saved. And what do we learn from Rufus's mom? What can, what can Rufus's mom do for you today? Well, let me just say this about Rufus's mom, this endearment from Cole and Jay and myself 
Thank you, Mom. Thank you for mothering us and loving us and ministering to us and just being late. Amen. Let's stand for our song of appeal. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com. 